This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, September 19th, 2018. My guest is no other than Nicole Scott of Mobile Geeks. Hi, Nicole. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm awesome. So glad to have you on the show. Last time I had you on was in the early days of the show, and it was at Computex 2017 with Kevin Michalak of Mobile Nations, uh, Crackberry Kevin. And I've never had you on solo, so I'm super stoked that you were able to make it. Yeah, and I'm actually in San Francisco and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Murphy's Law. Um, yeah, so, you know, you are in San Francisco because of the Audi e-tron launch, correct? Exactly, exactly. Audi's very and first some, fully electric SUV. I saw some great outtakes, by the way, on your, was it on your Facebook or your YouTube channel? Yeah, of, my, my Facebook. I didn't, I didn't actually put those in the video. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally awesome. Um, I look like... I don't know if this was recording for yourself or if you're doing some promo work for them, but it was pretty nice. The lighting was fantastic. Yeah, no, um, I'm pretty lucky to get the sneak preview time with the car. So they, they bring you into the studio before they kind of launch it. So like it has like a really professional setup and they give you a camera person. So they kind of wow. let me have a half an hour to shoot the car. And I, I got to see all of the, the, the new features like inside the hood and play like play around with that charging port like a super future the way that it opens even though it didn't work for me a few times <laughs> <laughs> i mean it seemed pretty standard and traditional i was actually surprised uh that you know um it was so simple but um anyway i want i want to i want your thoughts on this as you know i'm a tesla owner and i want to disclaim that because i have a model 3 but i want people to know that as much as i love my car i'm a car enthusiast and i love the germans a lot i do have a porsche as well it's an older one um, and I am very excited to see the German companies finally jumping on board with electric, you know, electrical cars, electric cars, EVs, and electrification is what I was trying to say. So, uh, you know, there's been a slew of them lately. Mercedes announced the MQC, is that the, right? The, e, the EQC, yeah. EQC, thank you. EQC, yeah. and then there was the, there's e-tron just uh, this week, and then of course Jaguar is the iPace, the which will be the first to market, which looks really and good. It looks Porsche has really been working good. on yeah. um, the Taycan, 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 yeah, yeah. So I, I want your thoughts. You spend a lot of time in Germany. You ha probably understand their mindset a little better. I know Europe has a very different view on vehicles than we do in the U.S. And I grew up in Europe. I was born and raised there, so I know how they like smaller cars. They like this chick shifts, although that's changed a lot in the last few years. But I'm just kind of wondering. You know, what's your take on this? Because you know, I feel like it's exciting. But it seems to be just really baby steps at this point to me. I'd 100% agree with you. I think it's a little bit conservative. Um, like, the car makers kind of got kicked in the ass by, tes by, by Tesla. Like, we have to do something. Okay, let's do it. Let's shorten our development cycles from seven to four years, which is huge for them, right? So, like, they, they're making massive steps forward. It's just... Tesla's imagining new ways of manufacturing and they're like designing everything first rather than like thinking about production. Like, so they've completely switched the paradigm. And I think that the German car manufacturers came out with something safe that didn't, that, or that doesn't actually leave their kind of like 
traditional footprint. So they're going after their current base. They're not going after like the new kind of like, what are those called? Early adopters. <laughs> you know, I think it's actually very smart of them because it's important that, you know, there's a lot of people out there now that I have an EV and I drive it all the time and people see it. I get either a completely fly under the radar. Nobody notices. They think it's just a Civic or BMW 3 Series or whatever, right? Um, or I get the people who come up to me and go, oh my God, it's a Model 3. Tell me all about it. And we have this great conversation, right? But I feel that there's an entire population that's kind of in the middle somewhere. They kind of know Tesla exists. They hear all these ra rants and raves. And they, I'm sure they also see Elon's crazy tweets because uh, that's very crazy yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan all the time of what, what's going coming out of that, that guy's head. But anyway, uh, the point is that I think they're aware, but they're kind of like, you know, why would I, like I'm, I'm a loyal Audi driver or BMW driver or Mercedes driver. And I, I, I'm, you know, kind of waiting for them to do something, right? So I, I think that's really smart because they, they, they're, they want, they don't want their comfort zone. They just want electric, right? But at the same time, I'm honestly think that by the time these cars are in, in, on the market and they're not going to be competitive. And what's going to happen is these Mercedes, Audi and BMW drivers are going to be ready to buy an EV and they're just going to go buy a used Tesla, right? Because it's way cheaper. They're going to be able to buy a Model S or Model 3 that's two years old with like 20,000 miles for, you know, Pretty much the thirty-five thousand dollars that uh, the Model Three uh, base model that's thought not available yet is is advertised for today, or they're going to say, "Forget it, I've got the money," and they're going to buy a brand new Tesla. It's just going to bring more customers to Tesla if they don't match in terms of competing, right? And also, I'm not quite sure that while there is, I think, a segment of the market that's totally happy with you know an equivalent electric version of an existing gasoline car, right? Um, which is what I think the Germans are doing right now, except for maybe Porsche. I think that there's a lot of people that, and I think this is where Jaguar has a bit of an advantage, that are that are expecting them to make a custom bespoke new car, right? Right. So I th I think this is where we like we we kind of miss the division between w the way automotive people think and the way that the normal people, like the average Joe, might think. Everything that got launched. Is, is for the premium car segment, which means right. that it's expensive, that it's luxury, that like when they think about someone who's buying it, they're thinking about somebody sitting in the front seat going, but bam, look, I made it, bitches, right? Like it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right? So like, thi like this is the feeling that they're going for. Like they want like the influencers to take pictures with it and to kind of have that like, look at the lifestyle that you're aspiring to. Right. Like, so in, in some ways, these premium cars are still aspirational. They're definitely not for the mainstream because like 80,000 is not a, no, like no, a, normal, a normal person's not buying an $80,000 car. No, <laughs> and that's totally agree. But my point is that if these are aspirational, right, if people are looking up to them, like if, if the Taycan, Taycan of Porsche mm -hmm. is really like outstanding, and I'm sure it will be, um, these people might go, oh, I can't afford that, but I can find, I can buy a used Model 3. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, if you want to take part in the electrification game, like, you still have to wait to get to get a premium brand. Like, unless you want to go smart, 
which like desperately well, needs a desperately needs an update. I think there's a there's an in between. Nissan Leaf, the the 2018 yeah. Nissan Leaf is a bestseller in Europe right now. It's the best-selling EV in Europe. It's not the Tesla's best-selling EV in Europe. So the she- I think the Chevy there's Bolt, some room for that. Yeah, like the the Chevy Bolt's also really great, like really great. And then but it's not selling, right? Like they sold 100 selling. units I think last month. And the the Volkswagen with the e-Golf yeah, the e-Golf right. is awesome. I've driven it. It's a really nice car. It's if you a really like nice golf car. and yeah. you just want a golf, but you just happen to be electric, this is the car to get. The problem with all these to me as a Model 3 owner is the range and more importantly, the you know, there's a cachet to owning a Tesla for sure. Um, the cars look really sleek and futuristic, especially inside. But that's 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 not the big deal. The big deal to me is the range, at least for my Model 3. It's the highest range of any Tesla, 310 miles. And it's the the charging network which i know the and i have to give kudos to the germans because of you know especially volkswagen group now that you know post dieselgate they're really having to step up their game with um you know with uh with uh, the supporting you know building a charging network but at the same time they're not they're not even close and they won't be for 2 to 3 years at the rate at the place where tesla is today so tesla then will be even further ahead and tesla has openly elon has said you can use our network if you just agree to it like they it's an open source freaking charging system nobody's jumping on i don't understand why they're not jumping on that it's audi audi has come to the table actually with an offering that in europe will be better than than everybody else so like they just launched their I- Ionic, I think, network, which will be the largest uh-huh. charging network in all of Europe. And the the way that the e-tron will stand out from, or at least me- like match what's going on w- with Tesla is that it has the the crypto chip um, inside the charging port. So like a Tesla, when you plug it in, you just get a bill at the end of the month, right? right? Yeah, totally. So like like. At least the e-tron is like stepping but, but up. What I don't understand is like in terms of charging wh- network and y- usability. At least in North America, why don't Porsche, like Volkswagen Group in particular, I, I'm, I can maybe Jaguar is a different thing. Tata isn't you know different world, but I think, but I think Volkswagen Group should just approach Tesla and say, look, we will license your your charging technology and and it's free, right? Like Tesla doesn't want to make money on it, and then they can actually, you know, just put that port on their cars and they're done they have an entire charging network accessible because in you in europe i don't think it's as critical people can charge at home or in malls or in the office and think in the u.s so long distance travel is the thing a lot of people think evs are not for long distance i completely disagree the only thing i really use my tesla for is long distance travel i mean i use it around town a little bit but i have my porsche is way more fun it's a convertible two-door it's small it's it's fun you know and 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 if i want to go for really long distance long long road trips i use my camper van because it's a home on wheels um but the tesla for like driving between big cities is way more efficient than flying it's slower but man it's cheaper 30 dollars is how much it costs me to drive by myself from sf to portland and and that's three dollars in electricity, and it costs me fifteen if I'm taking on a passenger, right? Like we're talking about the best possible flight rates you can get. So so to me, that the network is is the only reason really I got a Tesla in the end is for the network and the range. It's not the rest is nice. I love it. I love the cachet. I love the way the car looks. I love the way the car drives. I'm an enthusiast. That's the other thing. I've never driven any other EVs that drive like a Tesla. And I mean by that, 
like a performance car and you don't have to drive it that way but it's there for you and and, and, and I think I the germans think, will hit that the germans yeah. will do it but the, the japanese germans, right now yeah, the germans will hit you know? that yeah no i i agree the like but i think one of the interesting things about what you just said is that you are actually the i like most test like the the best test case for how mobility is 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 going to evolve in the future like when like when we start to look at concepts of future mobility it's not it's it's no longer about one vehicle for like like a, a solution it's actually purpose driven vehicles for different purposes right so you have the camper van you have your tesla for long distance you have your porsche for like in city fun driving right and so like you are in like a very lucky position to be able to have oh, all yeah. of these different cars <laughs> that like actually fit these different needs and this is what we're going to start to see when like someone like volkswagen or audi or or porsche maybe the Volkswagen group actually um, does a, a, a car sharing network, like maybe around like having a lease and then you actually just order different cars for all the different purposes. Right. So you get Absolutely. your, like, and so like in a way you, you, you completely get it like 100%. But I still think that the position that you're in is a little bit far removed oh, from, from everyone it's else. It's crazy. I mean, I totally <laughs> understand. All I'm trying to say, Nicole, is that I really honestly believe that if I had to delete all the cars and keep one, the Model 3 would be it today. There's no, absolutely no doubt about it to me. It fulfills all my requirements. Long distance travel, short distance travel. It's economical. Yes, there's an, upri an upfront price. Absolutely. It's not cheap. Right. But but eventually, and I know I'm I'm absolutely certain that within two years, uh, hopefully within a year, the Model 3 base model will be available and it will meet that $35,000 price point. But right now for, for what I paid, which is almost 60, 58, 57, five, whatever it was. I mean, I have never had such a good car as a new car. And I've had some really good new cars. Like I had a Golf R, which as you know, is a phenomenal car. And it was, it's, it's a combination of practical. I mean, there's so many things. And so what I'm worried about is when I see the e-tron, when I see the EQC mm -hmm. and I see even the Jaguar I-Pace is, it's, you know, it's, as you said, geared toward premium buyers was really, I think the model three, even though today is sold as a premium model, it's, you know, if you go to the interior of my model three, it does feel like a $35,000 car. Yeah, right? it's it's a nice place to be, but it's certainly not at the level of a fifty nine thousand dollar car. And I accept that because I'm paying for the technology, I'm paying for the batteries, and and I'm paying for the performance. Frankly, because it's out of this world. I mean, it drives circles around my Porsche, which even though it's an old one, is still no slouch. And and I think that that what I want to see is them coming out the gate with something that's going to be competitive in two years, right? And right now we're not seeing that. I'm not seeing any improvement in luggage space, which you'd think as an electric platform, you don't have into, you don't need a front, um, you can have a front trunk in every vehicle. Mercedes purposely chose not to have one. Yeah. Same, same with the e-tron. But, but I think, I think actually the concept of like you saying there's not there's not more luggage space like with the e-tron specifically i was talking to the designer like they gained almost two feet of interior space just for the passengers right they weren't necessarily oh, focused on like the like the luggage they were they were just like let's give you like the most roomy experience like this is a, a lounge right so like they're still really focused on on the premium nature of the of the experience which isn't where tesla is with coming to market with like a mid-range car 
Yeah, and I think that's really weird because to me, the Model S is the premium car. If you want to get a premium car, and actually, I don't think it delivers in that sense. And it, it does in the sense of performance and range and looks, but it doesn't in terms of interior. I don't think it's, it, even in the latest versions of the Model S and Model X, pale in comparison to anything the Germans do over 55, 60K. And, and they will get there. Um, but I think the other thing a lot of people are not seeing that I think other than, again, the, the charging networks, which, you know, as you said, the, the Germans are working on, but I still feel that they have an opportunity that they're not seizing with working with Tesla on the network. Um, and, and that's the fact that they're not, you know, they're not really building cars from the ground up that, that can, you know, really take advantage of the EV uh, architecture. And Jaguar did it. And you can tell the car looks weird a bit, but it's really nice <laughs> and roomy inside. And it's got lots of storage and it's an SUV that's quite off-road capable, according to the people who tested it. Mm -hmm. Were you at the test drive for that? Uh, we, the, the website was, I didn't go, but yeah, I think, okay. I think, I, th I think that the iPace is probably. It's the, the closest I thing. Yeah, I it's 100% right the closest thing. But I, I think, I think the one area that you're missing from the EQC and the e-tron is that these guys have um, paddle recuperation, right? So they have actually started to take, because um, like you've been talking a lot about drive style and like how like this, this car is like really built for performance. And um, I, th I think that one of the cool things is that instead of using like the brake or the gas, you can actually modify the aggression of the recuperation system to influence. You can on the, the Tesla too. Yeah, yeah. I I drive with one pedal all the time. It's awesome. With with paddles on the on the. Oh, on the not with paddles. They with don't use paddles. paddles. Yeah, it's yeah. Just yes. on the touchscreen, but but I like that on Audi. Uh, the each remember the e-tron prototype that was based on the Audi A3. Yeah. I drove that around San Francisco like two or three years back. I think even more than that when I was at Engadget still. And it had the paddle regen setting, and I like that a lot. I have to admit, that's really cool feature. There's a lot of cool features they're doing, and I'm sure the Germans are wonderful st cars to drive. I think that the ones that are not so much fun, I think, are like the Leaf. The E-Golf the e is okay, but, you know, it's adapted from a gas car, so it's not, it doesn't have the batteries in the floor and all that, so it's not quite as much of a handler. But um, right. the other thing that I think is completely missing from the equation on the German side is that... And that's what I think we shine at here in the Silicon Valley is it's a, it's an, it's an iPad on wheels. It's all about the software. It's all about the technology, right? The car is just kind of built around the technology and the Germans are not building cars like that for better or for worse. I think in some ways it's for better, but I think that we're like, I got an email from Tesla yesterday that said, you're getting a dash cam in your car next revision. That's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, no, I, I don't I, have a dash cam right now. Yeah. And I was going to buy one just because, you know, safety. And now I don't have to because I get an over the year software updates that gives me a dash cam. Like, like I know the Germans will get there eventually, but right now the, the software is so way ahead of anything else on the Tesla that I don't know how they can catch up. No, and, and it's the it's the monthly software updates. I mean, like the fact that they're able to push those is better than anyone else on the on 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 the field. And I, I I hear you about not being able to catch up, but I'm still on the fence about whether or not I'm okay with the safety um, issues that oh, yeah. better. They're, like, the betaness of things. Yeah, I have yeah. had bugs in my in my Tesla. I I have had bugs, and I report them. None of them have been safety. And, you know, security related in the sense that I've never feel, felt that 
I was like, oh my God, this is really bad. But yeah, it's, there's tons of bugs. They're not egregious. They're there. You report them. The nice thing is there's a button to report them and they send the log to them, even though they can access your car anytime anyway. Um, but it's, it's just the concept, like the whole idea. Yeah. It's changed my way of looking at cars. It's like, I'm amazed at what happens when you apply the principles of what we know in mobile tech, phones, tablets, wearables, and you apply that to a car, not just the software updates, just the way so many things in cars I love. There's a ritual. I get in my Porsche. I turn on the ignition. I check the oil quickly because, you know, it's a ports car. I want to make sure the oil levels are good before I start. I start it. I turn on the lights because they're not automatic. If it's raining, I turn on the wipers. I have a whole routine. And you do, we all do this subconsciously when we get in a car. We have to press the power button or turn the key to start the car. None of this exists in the Tesla. Yeah, you but, get in the yeah, car, but, you yeah drive. but none of that also exists in any other premium gas car. Right from well, like, no, from, but from but you still have a power button on cars, right? Like, no, you just still, you, you just drop the key and then basically go with some of them. They have the yeah, keyless entry. Is, they have all of these I things. I think that I think that like by default, all the automatic stuff is turned on, like completely. It doesn't reset when you change a setting next time you start the car. Like it is basically just they're kind of pulling us, kicking and streaming into a world where we don't have to worry about that stuff, like. I yeah, just don't no, think no, I so ever touch I, the light I, switches I, on my car. I just disagree anymore. with the fact that you think that the, that the competition doesn't have that, right? Because in the gas cars right now that Daimler is putting out across their like Audi, all of their high-end cars will do basically all the things that you're saying. Like set but they're the high-end lights cars. And, they're not, yeah, yeah. not $35,000 cars. But even, even, even the A-Class, the Mercedes-Benz A-Class will do most of that. Like you drop yeah, the key most in, of it, but like you but do I have think, to press the button on that one for to turn on the it's engine. It's further than that. I'm talking about the fact that there's no physical controls for the lights anymore. There, there's no physical control for the wipers. There's no need for it. It's done. It's we don't need it. It's it's over. Yeah, I See know. Yeah, but but do so to take it out completely, like just like not to have Why the not? option to control. Yeah, but I mean, like I, what I, if I haven't you used it no, since I've no, 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 so like, three months. I haven't touched the lights ever. It no, no. So like, let's just let's just take the A class for an example, right? It will do that in the in the, in the iteration up, right? So like maybe not on like the base one. Like if you take every everything out to get the cheapest car possible, right? They need to include all of those buttons, right? Right. So they're giving a price variation option for like their most accessible. But you see, when you car. say they need to include all those buttons, that's not true. They don't. All they need to do is have a touchscreen, have it all in software, and have no buttons. They save money by having no buttons. Yeah, see, but that's how Tesla is thinking. Right, but but I mean like but if you if you get the infotainment, so. MBUX will come standard, right? So you can, yeah, but I, I think just like, oh, let's just drop all the buttons just because we can, like, isn't necessarily something that appeals to the masses. This appeals I to the- I was against it. It appeals to I'm the totally tech enthusiast. turned around. I'm know. like, I get it. I totally get what they're trying to do. It makes perfect sense to me now. The, I get it. The car will do it anyways, even yeah, if the button's there. So Save like, money. You Whatever, what it doesn't matter. I mean, like, is? leave the button, don't leave the button. Like- you're 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 definitely paying for it for like the software updates and the infrastructure, right? So it's not a money saving thing, right? Like the costs are just hidden somewhere else. I think manufacturing else. wise, <laughs> it might be a, a money saving thing, mm. and, I, and I can understand because Tesla obviously doesn't have the kind of manufacturing shops that the Germans have. I, I'm I'm just saying is that I was pleasantly surprised at how my brain was able to adapt to this new way of thinking, and I'm not just not talking about automation. I'm talking about like. The fact that the controls have actually been physically removed 
Um, and it really wasn't a big deal. And, and I can switch between cars now. It's totally not a big deal. I still remember turning on the lights in my camper van because it doesn't have auto headlights. I still remember turning the wipers in my Porsche. The point is that, um, it's an interesting, it's really interesting, the philosophical differences. And I think that's where the Germans are, I think, not getting the, the fact that it's an iPad on wheel software thing. Yeah, no, I, so I'm disagreeing because like whenever I've done like a long-term test on like any kind of like Audi or, or Mercedes, I never touch anything. I have no ideas where those buttons are. So like to me, the, the philosophy <laughs> of the car taking care of everything is already there. You're just okay. kind of like pick, pick, like picking on the fact that there's a physical button somewhere in the car that I have no yeah, idea where it is. It's unnecessary. I think it's, leg I think it's legacy crap. It's like, you know, the, I the, iP the iPhone when it came out removed a bunch of settings that we were like totally normally used to and we are all really mad about it and then we realized well we never use those settings so what well who cares right and then all the other smartphone makers did exactly the same so my point is that's i think the point i'm trying to make i'm not saying it's right or wrong i think for me i was surprised that i thought it was wrong and now i think it's right and and i'm also saying that i feel that this legacy stuff if we drop the sooner we drop it the more the fastest we can move forward if you have a button in the car somewhere then you your user interface options are limited because you no longer can change things in software because if that button is labeled lights, how can you change the label? How can you reassign that button to be something else? You can't. So that's what I'm trying to get to is that having no controls, having everything in software is actually an advantage because you can reconfigure the car. Like there used to be a separate button on the touchscreen on my Model 3 for auto high beams. It's gone now. And I, for a while I was like, where did it go? I don't have it on. I don't like the auto eye beams because I'm old school. I like to turn them on myself and you can do that with the stock. Well, I figured out that they repurpose the stock and there's another setting on the stock now that lets you turn it on and off without having to go to the touchscreen because they can reconfigure things because nothing's labeled. It's amazing. Yeah, but like Audi and Mercedes are doing that with remapping buttons on their steering wheels now. Like yeah, the, I guess it, yeah. it's just on the steering wheel. They're not doing like the light switches or the switches in the center console. Like, you know, a lot of right. things are still physically set. And it, look, it's okay. I've driven a recent Audi A4 because mm -hmm. I use Silver Car, which is a car rental service that, sells, that rents Audis. It's really awesome. They had recently actually got acquired by Audi. Mm. Go, go figure. I mean, all their cars are Audis. And <laughs> I have to say that the brand new A4 2018 model was, you're right, lots of automation. Um, but I ended up having to fiddle with everything because I'm like, oh, what does this do? Because I didn't know. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, that's lane assist. Okay. Why is there a button for that? Why? And you never turn that on or off. Usually you just kind of, it's on or you're off. You might turn it on and off maybe between trips or something. It's just really interesting to me. It's like, do you spend money on that? Like, wow. Okay. Like it's an A4. I get it. It's a, you know, entry, mid entry, mid range sedan. I guess the A3 is the bottom of the barrel Audi, but, um, at least in the U.S. I know no, I'll, I'll, others. I'll totally agree with you that every, every time I get into one of these new cars, I'm fucking around with the, or sorry, <laughs> I'm no, messing, around with, <laughs> messing, <totally fine. laughs> messing around with the buttons for like an abnormal amount of time. And like one, one of the <laughs> things that I've learned about, uh, using some of the different ride sharing programs, the drive now with the BMWs. Oh, oh my yeah, I like God. It. No, but it we takes it forever to, I'm like messing around with the seats and the button. Like it, it's a good thing. The software is so slow and doesn't start the time for the rental for quite a <laughs> while. Cause I'm usually there like with the mirrors, it takes me a long time. Whereas with the, the car to go, it's like everything's super 
easy and simple and fast and it's yeah, it's no, I, I hear you. I, I, uh, I've used both. Actually, Portland is the only city that I've lived in that has both car to go and drive now, uh, ride now, whatever it's called. It used to be called drive now and it used to be in San Francisco and they, they, they couldn't work out with the city some deal where it's for free parking or something. Oh. And they completely uprooted and the they, entire program. They got and kicked moved out. Yeah. To Portland. Yeah. Um, so back to the e-tron though yeah. for a second yeah. to me what i like about it is that it looks like a q5 which is a very elegant looking suv i know it's probably a little bigger than a q5 but at first appearance of all the suvs that audi makes today it's a little it looks it looks less frumpy and smaller than the q7 it certainly looks bigger and less silly than the q3 and the Q5, I think, is kind of like the sweet spot in the range right now anyway. And that's, I think, what they're going after. And in that sense, I love the styling. I, and also, I like the little the little things that, you know, kind of differentiate it from its uh, IC sibling. Um, if it is indeed a sibling, for I know it's a complete revamp from scratch. But if it is, it certainly doesn't look like it. No, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. And then the way that they've they've done the kind of like... The air grates on the front kind of saying like, listen, we don't need so much air. We're blatantly covering these up to show how <laughs> Yeah, this isn't yeah. an air intake they thing do for that us. They do on the e-Golf <laughs> and a bunch of other cars too. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's it's cute. I like it. But I mean, honestly, I liked it better with the stickers with the camo. Like, oh, yeah. I the think QR it, codes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, I think it really made it look like this is a car that's like kind of futuristic that's taking on, you know what I mean? Like, look at me. I'm driving a new car. <laughs> Whereas like now I'm like, this is a car. It's a car. Then, yeah. then that, and then that to me, that's kind of the end. It's not, it's not futury like a Tesla, which is disappointing. But then you realize they're going after their base, right? And they can't, they can't deviate too far you from, know what's their, from their core. what's interesting about the Tesla? I don't understand why people think the Tesla looks so futuristic. The S and the 3. The X is weird, right? I don't like the Falcon doors. I think it was a mistake. I think Elon now probably agrees it was a mistake because manufacturing this reliably and it's going to be yeah. a nightmare and maintenance-wise in the future. And I honestly don't think it's a very look, good-looking car. It's just kind of like a porky-looking Model S that's bloated because it's they turn a Model S into an SUV. But I think the S and the 3 are extremely good-looking mm -hmm four-door sedan type cars they i think they look like a, a very classy mix between japanese and german design uh because the the, the chief designer of tesla comes from mazda and uh penned them the mazda 3 and mazda 6 back in the day um i think it's they're good looking cars and in fact in some ways i find them boring looking like the three if a lot of people don't even know what it is because they just think it's just a generic you know sedan yeah it looks a little more up up, upper class and premium and, and maybe a little bit fancier than a Civic would, but it doesn't look, I mean, honestly, that different than a, than a BMW 3 Series. And and to me, I, I don't understand when people equate Tesla with futuristic looking. It's certainly the sleekest car in the world today. The Model 3 is the most aerodynamic drag coefficient in the entire world. And some of that is probably reflected in the shape. Um, but I don't, I don't see the why people think i mean the interior of the mall 3 is insane I, I agree it's like ikea insanity um but i don't think i don't understand the futuristic the i-pace to me looks way more futuristic than any tesla actually agreed agreed the i the, the, i i think the i-pace looks much more futuristic but just if, if, you, if you compare it to the, say the eqc and the e-tron oh these, my god yeah these yeah. just look like cars 
Like this is a nice right. car, right? Like you're like, oh, right. this is a they're just like future thinking mid range SUVs. And that's yeah. the other thing I don't understand. I understand the SUV, the, the CUVs, uh, you know, modern car like SUVs are very popular. I get this, especially in North America. I totally understand people like the high seating position, the cargo flexibility, all that. I totally get it. It's not my thing, but I get it. Um, I mean, the most the most popular Porsche is the Macan, after mm -hmm. all, right? It's a small SUV. Um, but I just you know, I don't quite get why they would start with that. Because like it's, it's the it's the it's the largest growing segment of the entire automotive ecosystem. But it's, by the time they release the, it, will it still? Be? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. I yeah, think no, so. I think okay. so because it, it's been it's been steadily growing. Like the the metrics and the numbers are there. Like like this is the section that everyone has to go I, I after. I honestly think yeah. that once the Model Y is announced from Tesla, which will be basically the S, the, the CUV based on the Model Three. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a wake up call for these folks because their aim today is to kind of match and slightly surpass the actually not surpass match the Model Three not even long range because I don't think any of these cars have a range of three hundred and ten miles uh, but it's match what is is there today and once I think Tesla further develops the Model Three platform into a, a, a CUV that thing is gonna be selling like hotcakes. Do you know who I think is going to take on Tesla? Um, when mm. Biden, I think. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. the Chinese. The Chinese. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, but the, the thing is, will they sell in the U.S. because of they the will not sell in the U.S. Right. So they're and going China. So they're going over. Europe. It, but but it's yeah. the it's the it's the it's the i eight team from BMW, right? And like yeah, they right. they know how to manufacture. They have like their production plant in China is like three kilometers from like the new giga the the new giga factories that are coming online for EVs like i think like like this manufacturer has the potential to take on like take over that position of like we're a futuristic Strength. kind yeah, of car yeah. in Europe because they're, they're going oh, China in, in China of course too right <laughs> yeah yeah in in, in China I mean, too but it, it gets Tesla more interesting when it's popular in China too so <laughs> that's true but yeah, no, no, no plans for the U.S. yet, right? So the the Americans will be left out of that. But then again, this is the Tesla stronghold, right? So exactly, yeah, like, true. like take take over where Tesla has yet to really kind of catch on. I think it's, I think it's a good strategy for Biden. So for sure. gl globally, I have my eye on them as the as as the Tesla killer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm um excited about the interior of the e-tron. Uh, I like Audi interiors a lot, and it certainly looks awesome. Um. I do have to say that between the, the the materials and you know the fact that my car is initially a, designed to be a thirty five thousand dollar car and the fact that it's so Spartan on purpose, which you can like or dislike depending on who you are, I'm still have mixed feelings about the Spartan interior of my Model Three. I have to say that the Audi interiors are very attractive to me. Yeah, um, and, and uh, I'm I like not sure about the, the Mercedes e one or the Porsche ones, but the uh, the Audi interiors. Oh yes, please hook me up. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, 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 I like how they've done that, like, free-floating, um, like, like spacious, kind of, like, airy thing in the middle. It's, like, there's there's a lot to love about the e-tron interior. Uh, there's always a lot to love about Audi interiors. Um, the thing that blows my mind, to be honest, though, and this is not just Audi, this is for all the car, uh, the, the, the hundred-year-old car makers out there that are trying to be uh, to electrify and are getting dragged, kicking and screaming by Tesla into the age of an iPad on wheels, um, is that they announced this thing. It, the equivalent of their announcement is, is as if Apple had said, look, there's an iPhone. 
It's beautiful, you can take pictures of it. It comes in pretty colors, but we're not gonna give you battery life, technical specs, or, um, you know, uh, anything else really. So to me, it, it just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't give us a range. Um, I know that they are waiting for an official range from the EPA, but that's just a lame excuse in my opinion. Um, I, I, you need, like this is the quintessential thing about this of the electric car. You need to give people a price and a range. Now they give the price, the range we're guessing is between two and 300 miles. That's a huge variability. 300 miles is today. In two years when this thing is actually available at Audi dealers in the US, there will be Teslas out with a 500 mile range. Yeah, no, this is going to be available Q, Q2 of next year. It's a, it's a 2019 Okay, well, then there'll, there'll be probably a better battery pack available for the Model 3. Elon will surprise us and it'll be 400 miles. So then what? That's what I'm saying. It's like, why don't you give us the specs today? That's insane. Nobody seems to commit to specs. It's like, that's the quintessential thing about an EV. You give out the specs. Well, I th they, they, they have set a range. It's 250 miles. Well, they haven't officially. They keep saying the EPA will confirm. We don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but that's they've, a guess but they've, right? Yeah, but they've, but if you if you compare it to the numbers that the iPace and the um, EQC have put out, Audi is at least using the most aggressive one, like really like the most aggressive testing, which I think will sh will will show lower than what. Um, the EPC will show, to, to be honest. I hope so. I mean, yeah, honestly, Audis, yeah. they get so I think over 200, they're not competitive. They need to be at least close to three. Yeah, I mean, like, this is the thing that I think is going to get interesting for me, is that at least the e-tron has this 90% um, regenerative braking like, statistic, which Tesla right. doesn't have right now. So it could, like, it could really come down to the fact that the e-tron is a lot more about drive style and the way that the car true, is driven. True. Uh, yeah. for, for for range so i think i think for them this like we have to wait for the this review on that yeah, one yeah. whereas like the rest of them they, they they don't have this like intelligent aggressive recuperation which which they all do which of, of course everyone's recuperating and tesla's is very intelligent i think mercedes is as well but i think that i don't know it, it could just be all pure bullshit right <laughs> It could be, right? Like maybe yeah, I'm no, drinking. I mean, look, I, I trust Audi. <laughs> I, I do believe that the VW group has their shit together when it comes to making good EVs that are competitive. I just want to see the numbers. I want to see them come out of the gate with very confident numbers. Right now, 0 to 65.5, that's what my Model 3 does, okay? It's it's not, it's a $35,000 car with the premium versions on what I have and a bigger battery pack, right? Like, I mean, you'll get 5.5 to 60 on the base $35,000 Model 3. Now, I know 5 to 5 to 60 is not something that's normally in the realm of $35,000 cars. But in the electric world where torque is everything, that's standard feature. So I would have expected this to be a 4.5 to set to to 60 car for eighty thousand dollars like the ipace is and you know it's not about traffic light races right but at the same time torque it's telepathic in my model 3 i see a spot in the road i'm in it before i even think about it it's amazing having that ability it's going to be really interesting when everybody's got cars like that i have a feeling a lot of people won't know how to deal with it and like there's a mode on my car to turn it into kind of like a, a less aggressive chill mode. It's called chill, actually. And I think people would drive like that because they would be freaked out coming from an, a normal gasoline car at how fast my car can be. 
Um, so so here's region. Right, wait. So here's a here here's an interesting point. I was talking to um, an Audi engineer, and I so, someone someone brought up the exact point that you did that it doesn't go um, zero, zero to sixty fast enough. And he's like, "Well, you know what? The interesting thing is, we go zero to ninety in less than four seconds. It actually takes us to get that extra ten, the last two seconds." So he's like, "We're really fast. We're actually faster than Tesla, but it's just like to do this statistic of zero to sixty. Technically, we're slower." Right, so okay, I'm well, like, right, so I, I, I was like, oh, th- like that's okay. cute. Like maybe, like no, maybe, I, maybe I, you I should totally like th- think about rebranding, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's Audi Quattro. I, I don't expect anything else. That's good to know. <laughs> um, the point though I was trying to make is that you know, back to your talk mm. about Regen. You know, the reality is, I drive my Tesla like an idiot, and I totally get the 310 mile range. The only time I lose range is if the car is sitting unplugged, and you lose about two to three miles a day. Um, because it has to heat the batteries or cool the batteries or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's normal. All Teslas have this. Um, but honestly, when I drive, I get the 310 miles. And I hear lots of conservative Model 3 drivers, people like not constantly chasing the acceleration and trying to, you know, steal those telepathic holes in the in the road of tra- traffic holes like I do, um, that are getting actually over range. Um, and so I'm thinking that, you know, Tesla's numbers and, and same with the acceleration, they advertise 5.5 5, 5 to 60, but everyone has a Model 3, I, even the, the, the non-dual motor crazy performance one is getting 5.1 to 60 all the time. So my point is that, that under, you know, over delivering and under promising is really where they need to be. And, and Porsche traditionally has done that with its cars. Like they give you a, a, a horse hour rating and they give you a zero to 60 time and they give you numbers. And then when people actually test drive them, they're like, holy crap, this is way faster than that. BMW is also known for that. So I'm really hoping that the Germans are underselling right now and surprise us because I'm, look, it does, it's not about speed. You can get very comfortable transportation with a hundred horsepower and you can get very decent highway performance with a hundred horsepower mm-hmm. and you don't have to go zero to 60 in. You know, you can do zero to 60 in seven seconds and be perfectly happy. But it, I think there is a certain standard and expectation now when you see what you can expect and get for that, you know, for a certain price point and for a certain, uh, in a certain platform. And electric cars are in a different world than gasoline cars. Like that's what I'm learning is that, is that the expectations are a completely different set. And even if you eventually Toyota and GMs make, you know, or Honda or whatever, or even Volkswagen, non, non Audi make, uh, uh, affordable electric cars. And I hope they do soon. Uh, the expectations will be still very high for performance because of, uh, of torque. Right. So I think I, I kind of want, I feel that like the Germans, again, they're not, they're taking baby steps. They're not really yeah. committing. If they were committing, we'd have a range and that we'd have a solid zero to 60 and 5.5. But hey, look, zero to, you know, 50, 45 in like three seconds. So it's all about starting and stopping in the city. Why aren't they not really going out there with that? Like, are they shy? Are they worried they're not going to well, meet these numbers? What's the deal? They've, they've always been concerned. The, the, the German car manufacturers are like, the proof is in the pudding, right? Like, they're, they're conservative because they, they really just have to go after their base, right? And like, they don't want to... Like, especially everything that happened since, I think, Dieselgate, it has made them yeah. more conservative. And, like, yeah. what, like, what is it? Audi CEO is still in prison right now? 
Right. It's like, Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Right. So I think, I think, I think that everybody is just playing a really, really safe game and it, it is a premium game and not a mainstream game. So yeah, it needs to I think, change, huh? yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, like we'll, we'll get these cars, like they moved a lot faster, right. Than they ever could have imagined. Sure. It's definitely not as fast as how Tesla's moving, but I think that Tesla has to slow down. Right. And, and, and absolutely in and order to just like meet expectation. Right. Totally. Like, right. right now they can't deliver fast enough, they which can't. is hilarious. It's like, you know, their logistics, they're still working out their logistics a lot. And, and I think, you know, I waited two months after I placed my order, like I placed my order two and a half years ago, like my initial deposit. But once I actually got the invite to build my car, I designed my car and it took another two months before I got it. And it, this, is, this is a long time. I was very patient, but, um, I get it. I just think that it's, I think it's that too conservative. With their manufacturing yeah. expertise, like when I see what Toyota and Volkswagen Group, which are the two biggest companies in the world, right, can do in terms of manufacturing, they would completely eat Tesla's lunch. Like they could reconfigure their assembly lines, make cars that are better built, safer, better interior, everything. They could nail, they could nail Tesla to the cross tomorrow if they really wanted to. They're not trying. They're not trying. I, and I don't understand I don't what think, it is. I don't think that it's about it. I, I I don't think that it's not they're they're not trying. I think that it's it's an institution that is so steeped in safety regulations and respect and reverence for safety that and laws and laws <laughs> and laws right and then and now especially like even more so like let's make sure everything is by the letter that. I, I, I just think that they can't take on Tesla in the same way because Elon isn't respecting a lot of laws. And, and guess he, what? I think this is the this is the the, the 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 big quandary between large companies and startups, right? Startups break the rules. Sometimes it's douchey and I don't like it. I don't agree to it. I think it could be different, but at the same time, I think that it it's the only way you're gonna you need to the only way you're gonna move forward is to disrupt. And and so some disruption I think is healthy. And I wish the Germans would try to disrupt themselves. They they could. Well I mean Daimler is gonna be having a full flex plant come online in I think two years, which I think will help, right? So like full flex will allow you to have like multiple cars built on demand like from the yeah. same production line. So like, I think this is a really strong start. And like the fact that the automotive industry is, is starting to look at this flexible manufacturing process, you know, like shovels are in the ground, they're building it out. And I think that that will come. I think it will come, but I mean, it like Tesla's only been around, what, like what, seven years, 10 years, 10 years, <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so like, it's taken them a long time to like a recognize it's a viable threat and then B get the board to approve movement. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's slower, but I think that's amazing. I the mean, long I'm game. just saying that even if Tesla slows down to like two thirds of its rate today, they're still going to move way faster than they are. And they're still going to be two years from now. They're going to be way ahead of they are where they are trying to be two years from now. The Germans, you know, that's, that's my fear is that like they will eventually catch up, but it's going to take much longer than they think. And uh, I hope they don't lose their market share because so here's, at some point, people are going to just want to go on EVs. They're not going to want ICs anymore at all, right? Here's my question it's to you. It's going to happen sooner than we think. Te Tesla, Tesla purchasers still today are early adopter tech people, right? Like True. the like, Look at me. Yeah. I mean, and, and this, is, <laughs> this is overall the kind of trend, right? Like globally, right? That, that this is the person it, it, it appeals to. 
right? So is it that maybe as tech people, we're, we're just a little bit blind to the way that a normal person might adopt a, a car? Maybe, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm seeing so many people, with, like the Model 3s are everywhere here. Like you have to understand, I don't, I don't think you, I don't know if you've yeah, seen yeah. it in SF. Yeah. It's insane. How, they're not but just in SF. This is the mothership like of Tesla. <laughs> no, no, but I'm in Portland. It's not the mothership of Tesla. Portland is old and conservative. You know, it's a very white city. You know, there is no, like, there's no, there's only a couple of tech companies here and they're not, you know, they're old tech companies. Intel is not a bleeding mm -hmm. edge company anymore. I'm sorry, folks. Yeah, they're not. You know, it's Qualcomm, it's where it's at. And even worse, I think Kirin chips from yep. Huawei are even more interesting. And, and I think what Apple's doing with the 8 series is more interesting and potentially what Samsung's doing with Exynos and sometimes could be more interesting. So... There's no, like, I see them everywhere. And I think I see the people driving them. They're old people. They're young people. They're not tech savvy people. They're just like, you know, we, a friend but this bought is one. America, right? It's word of mouth. It's they're America, like, A friend though. bought one. I drove it. And I was like, this is the biggest thing, the best thing since sliced bread. And I bought one myself. That's basically what's happening right now. Word of mouth. I, I, I agree with you that in the U.S., like, the, the stronghold of Tesla like will be difficult to break word of mouth, all of it. But I think that like when Europe has a chance to like roll out a strong charging network and EU legislation and laws across all the regions, I, I think that like Europe is getting its act together. So globally, I think that we will see Tesla competitors, but I don't know if in the U S it's, it's going to be difficult to displace them there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I just think that it's interesting to me. Like I, I'm surprised myself, even though I'm a Tesla owner, at the the adoption rate and the kind of people who are adopting the car. It's mm. way past early adopters and tech-savvy folks at this point. It is, it's flipping right now. We're in the middle of that transition. It's happening. It's happening hardcore. We have people trading in $20,000, $25,000 used Priuses and, you know, five-year-old Honda Civics that are worth maybe ten grand if they're in good shape used and trading them in cars they would never have bought before mm -hmm. like they would never have spent fifty nine thousand dollars on a car and they're doing it and the reason they're doing it is because they look at the savings over time and the lifetime of an electric car is much longer than an ICE. the motors can last five hundred thousand miles the battery packs can easily last three hundred thousand there's some teslas out there today that are in the original pack and at 90 percent capacity with more than three hundred thousand miles so there's nothing to maintain right there's no oil changes like I think these cars, if they don't get binned into a tree because they're so fast, <laughs> are going to last a really long time. And, and people are looking at that like, I could buy a $25,000 car twice in the next 10 years, or I could buy a single Tesla Model 3 for 10 years that will get software updates at least for five years and will cost me $58,000. And on top of that, my fuel savings... First of all, I never have to go to a gas station because I, you know, most people in the U.S. live in a place where they can charge at home. So I can plug in at home. And when I have to go on long road trips, I can recharge really quickly. And it's not really slowing me down. In fact, I'm finding it now myself really relaxing because I'm forced to take breaks that are a little longer than I used to when I used to fuel up in a gasoline car. So I'm forcing myself to take a break and I'm happier because of it. Um, and how many, char how many, how many charging points are at, are, are at your long distance stop? There's one at least every 150 miles on all the major highways and freeways. Superchargers are absolutely everywhere on the network. On the and how the, many and how many supercharging points are there? At, at, Sixteen at, to twenty at each. Sixteen of them. to twenty, and it's yeah. it's never full. Never full. 
Mm. It's always like about uh, two. Th- the worst I've ever seen is about two thirds full. Okay. It's really, and they're growing it. You can tell at some locations like Mount Shasta, mm-hmm. where they have a parking lot with a bunch of chargers. And then they grew out, they didn't have enough, they have like four or five there. And then they another parking lot just a block down the street in another hotel where they have another 16 or 10 or whatever. Like they've added some, right? So you see that everywhere. Like they're, it's growing really rapidly. And, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to fully charge is not bad at all. And most of the time you're not rolling in needing a full charge. So I, I've topped off sometimes in just 15 minutes. Oh, nice. Um, I didn't need to, but I was like, I'm here. I want to stretch my legs. Let's top off, you know? Uh, Sometimes I'm hitting the superchargers on purpose when I don't really have to, just because I want to just relax for a second and I need to pee and I can plug in for 10 minutes, catch my range back. The the first, it charges way faster in the early part of the charge cycle. So like you, if you're sitting less than half on the battery and you plug in on a supercharger, you will get a hundred miles in about 15 minutes. It's insane how fast it charges the first bit. Then as you get closer to your maximum capacity, it slows down. And so that's the other reason for cars with large large batteries and long range is that I'm finding with 310 miles, I never empty, I never fully charge it and I never empty it fully. I'm really just living on the 250 mile range basically because I don't want to have to wait for all the maximum charging every time. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. So... So if you have a car that only has a 200 mile range, now your real effective range is about 150 because you don't want to wait to charge fast, right? So that's assuming you have a network of chargers available that are super fast chargers. At home, obviously, it charges much slower. But um, well, that's the same with I, the, the the e-tron. It'll it'll get you because because it, it's it's one of the fa- the fastest charging batteries around. It's a 150 kilowatt, and it'll get you to 80 percent in 30 minutes, which I like. Right. Yeah, no, that's uh, the standard nowadays on all the yeah. anything that has a high speed charging infrastructure and network available for it can charge in, you know, 80 percent in very short time. Um, it's, it's cool. It's it's what really makes the model th- for me, the model three feasible. I, I don't have I, I don't even I'm in San Francisco. I can't charge it. I have a free level two charger very close by that's always really busy. So if I manage to squeeze a couple of hour charge out of that, I can, but it's medium speed charging, right? And then at home here in, in Portland, I didn't even bother installing a Tesla charger. I'm charging off of the 110 volt wall outlet. It's really slow, but <laughs> usually for running errands in the city, the 10 miles I use up a day of running around uh, are recouped overnight by super slow charging. So I never, I'm always topped off basically ready to go on a road trip. It's totally awesome. Yeah, it, it, it always blows my mind when I see people plug their car into a regular wall outlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. You it can. takes a long time, but it does work. Um, listen, we're running out of time. I wanted to kind of get your feel a little bit for this uh, last week's iPhone announcement. Um, I We talked a little bit about it offline, but I kind of want to have your thoughts. W- what do you think of the new iPhones? And are you are you excited? Are you bored? I'm, uh, what do you think is going on with Apple? These I'm days? so incredibly bored. I, I think like this, <laughs> yeah, the, like like things have been iterative in smartphone now for a few years, but I think that this is the first time where I'm just like, yeah, there's literally no reason to upgrade. Literally, I think none. the, the <laughs> mid range is kind of getting really yeah. interesting. I mean, yeah, exactly. exactly. I love my flagships. Um, I'm very lukewarm about the iPhones as well because I feel they're very evolutionary. But then you have to remember that last year's iPhone X was a big step for them and now they're back to their usual schedule of yeah. very iterative little changes. Yeah, I, I, um, I totally agree with that. But I, th- I think that the 
the mid range is where you should be focusing all the attention because it's like, like, like we kind of mentioned the Galaxy A7 rumored with the three cams. This is like, yeah. okay, like a mid range phone getting this kind so of stuff. So that's interesting and, because yeah. that's one of the items on our on our uh, yeah. on our podcast uh, uh, topics. I'll be linking to it below in the show notes. Um, do you think that's happening? Like, are they going to come out with a triple camera Galaxy that's not an S class flagship? before the S-Class flagship gets it? You know, I, I I wouldn't put it past them with the fact that they've been having declining S9 sales and the, the, the Note 9, though, I love it um, and I think is an amazing phone. Uh, I think that their I, th I think that their strategy could be, okay, let's let's try to get things back in the mid-range and, like, treat this as our, our, our new flagship category because they've been losing sales on the high end. So I think maybe Samsung is an aggressive company enough to kind of just go, all right, then let's just treat the mid-range like a flagship. <laughs> I think you make a good point. Yeah, I do believe that the A-series is totally underrated. It's always been yeah, great. Yeah, it's always and been no, great. We don't get it here in the U.S. I think we just got the A6 was announced uh, to finally make it to the U.S. market. Uh, we've gotten the J series a little bit, but I know in Europe, the A series is super popular. So I was in uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Croatia in January, and I saw a whole bunch of A series of galaxies, and I was like, oh, that's a thing here. Awesome. Yeah, it's totally and a thing in Europe, and it's it's performing really well, and I have a hard time. Like, like, I end up suggesting the A-series over the S-series just because people are like, oh, it's expensive. I'm like, I feel you. I feel you. Just get the, <laughs> just get the A-series yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. You'll be happy. Because <laughs> totally, it, totally. it's, like it's, it's like an S7. Yeah. Th and that was a great phone. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And, and I, I think that uh, you're right. I mean, not just the mid-range mid -range specs, but also the mid-range premium and, and is, is a big thing with the OnePlus uh, really kind of championing this, at least in this market. Uh, I know there's other players. I know Honor is in there. I know that, of course, in China, there's a whole bunch of players and there. Oppo does a great mid-range phone, of course. Um, but I'm kind of curious. You were, if I, you probably got a chance to play with the Honor Play. I just got a review in it. Um, so now I'm, I'm basically rocking a Note 9, uh, Honor Play, and, um, that's it for my current review units. Anyway, um, I'm impressed that the phone is less than 300 US dollars and has a Kirin 970. Spec wise, it's very much like the Poco Phone F1 in a way. It's like they put, they, they cut some corners, like the camera is okay, but not great. But they put the best processor that they could in that thing so that it's fast and it's, you know, they're kind of gearing it towards gaming. You know, what's your take on that approach? So people aren't going to uh, up upgrade their phones every year anymore because it's just too iterative. But people are in the habit right of upgrading their phones they have been like the, you know a, a lot of people have been and right, I, and I, sure. and and i think that these purpose driven phones like the gaming phone the play right or like the razer right that yeah. these will be phones that people will choose to upgrade to if if they just kind of want to switch things up if they've been buying samsung galaxies for the past few years and they're like oh yeah right right let's let's, let's switch it up to a gaming phone because i think people some some people don't use the camera right and it's it's just yeah, it's yeah, just not a no. not a thing for them and like maybe they like really got into fortnite and now they just want to play right <laughs> <laughs> and now you need something with horsepower and less than yeah. 300 dollars buys you that and a beautiful screen to go yeah well. so i think i think that people who still want to upgrade are looking for excuses so these kind of like purpose specific phones are perfect 
totally perfect for that. You know, it's funny because the Honor Play, when I saw, you know, that it was announced, I didn't put it together. It was a gaming phone, basically. I, what I thought was like, it's just a, it's just a cheap phone with high specs and and i've treated it like that and honestly it's a great phone play. for the money yeah <laughs> you know I, i'm totally stupid i didn't figure it out i'm sorry um now i have but but honestly it doesn't feel to me like a gaming phone it just feels like a really affordable phone with super high-end specs basically like the poco phone f1 and and i'm surprised there's little people talking about it i think it's getting me be getting overshadowed by the rumors of the magic 2 which yeah. is supposed to be a hundred percent screen to body ratio how is that possible there's no bezel at all well so that i think is totally crazy but where the 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 the, the magic gets me really interested is that this is supposed to be their very first ai only phone and i was like what does that ah. mean what does that even mean does that right mean? I'm like, there's no well, CPU and GPU. Everything is an NPU now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, at the at the same time, like you can't really knock Huawei and their and their their prowess in all of this kind of like manufacturing. So if they are going to put out a phone that maybe has like a playful take on them trying some new stuff before they put it out into their flagship, I don't know. Like that that like I don't know if I'm right. But that's something that I'm thinking about this. I mean, like the screen to body ratio thing, I'm like, okay, so maybe there's no bezel, which means it's a disaster and I'm going to break it. So I can't own it. But like, but now I want to review it because if they've made it like a huge AI focus more so than any other phone on their platform, then I have to pay attention that that that, that's the one. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Honor phones. I think that they're really good value and pretty solid phones for the money. And of course, Huawei makes some great phones, the P20 Pro this year. And the May 20 is coming up. I'll be in London for that. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, but, you know, I have the, I played with, I reviewed briefly. Uh, there's a video on my channel. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, the original Magic, which never made it to the US. I just got my hands on one for a little while. And, you know, Looking back in 2018 at this phone that was launched in 2015, 16, whatever it was, it was super innovative for the time. And, and of course, it didn't have much traction, but it, it was uh, very sleek, very aesthetically interesting and super high spec for its time. And, and so I'm really looking forward basically to the Magic 2 because I think it's going to be basically the flagship Honor phone for a little while. In uh, more... More than, let's say, the Honor 10 or Honor 8 were in their time, meaning they were kind of considered the flagship because they were the higher range of Honor pricing, but they weren't really flagship in the sense that they were pretty much decontented Huawei phones, right? The, mm-hmm. the Honor 10 is a P20 Pro, or sorry, P20 regular, basically. So the, the Magic is a purpose-built from scratch for Honor device. So was the, ma- the original Magic. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the, to the Magic. I think it's going to be great. So... What's ha- sorry? And some- we won't get it here, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> this is this is one of the things that I don't follow so closely because I'm not based in the U.S. You guys have no problem getting Honor, but you can't get Huawei. Well, we like- can get both. Uh, they're available on Amazon. Okay. Um, and and I believe that Honor, but Honor is the only one that has its own store in the U.S. Okay. And sells a highhonor.com, whatever. Um, and. I, I don't know why. I think that, you know, Huawei right now is, is a name you want to um, avoid. avoid saying in a federal building. Yeah. Um, I'm joking, but it really feels <laughs> like that. It's just like this weird thing with our crazy regime right now. Well, yeah, because um, I mean, like... Don't say like, Huawei at the airport, guys, okay? Like, <laughs> because it's not like, going to be well. Be, be, being a, a, like a more European-focused website a little bit, I've noticed the Huawei reorg, right, in, in Europe. 
right? It's amazing it's what like they're like they've, they've, they've completely reorganized in order to like change their European strategy because apparently they're moving a lot of their advertising dollars to Europe from the US. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah, good, don't for, blame them. good for me. Yeah. But like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> the US isn't, isn't getting any of this? <laughs> but, but Honor kind of stole a chunk of the market here, uh, a small chunk, kind of like OnePlus, and has a pretty uh, pretty strong following. And and they sell, you know, unlocked online at really affordable prices, uh, kind of like Huawei Redux. And people like them for that. And and I, I hope they can stick around and that, you know, even though they're owned by Huawei, that it doesn't, you know, if you say I have an Honor phone, you won't get stopped at the airport. But if you say, <laughs> you know, I'm joking, but you know what I'm saying. There's a stigma around the Huawei and the ZTE names now. And it's like, what? Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, uh, so you know, um, other things, I can't remember what I had in my show notes, but I believe there was something about a basic phone in there. Yeah, and I saw that, this punked MP02. Yeah, and, I, and, you know, I was, I was, I was reading MP02. the article, and I was like, you know what? I would, I would, I would get a Nokia 8810. Over this yeah, one. <laughs> exactly. I would get the banana phone any day over this. Any thing. day. I only brought it up is because this particular TechCrunch article that I'll link into in the show note that talks that discusses the version two of the punked phone, punked or whatever. It's probably the word German punked, which means a period, um, like dot. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the reason is interesting is because they talk about the other uh, super minimalistic phone in that article. So I'm like, oh, that phone. And uh, let me bring up the article to tell you what I'm think what I was talking about. Uh, but basically what I'm saying is that there is, I think there's a need out there for a basic phone you take with you, but I don't think this punct or even the 88, the 8110 is the solution. The phone they're talking about is the light phone, light phone two. Light phone one was basically a dumb phone, but light phone two was going to have an e-ink touchscreen. And to me, I would love a phone that I could take with me that would allow, would allow me to do messaging on a touchscreen um, and multiple kind of messaging like mm, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, uh, WeChat, uh, you know, Twitter messaging, uh, Skype messaging, uh, text messaging. And, you know, that would probably be it for me. But let's you maybe Hangouts and let's you do that. And. At the same time, it calls, and but it has minimal functionality. Like, it has a good camera, so you can take photos. They're synced to the cloud automatically. You can select which service they sync to. And have a navigation and maybe Lyft and Uber on there, or Didi. That's a phone I would like to see. But I wouldn't want to be able to install apps on it. You know what I'm saying? And I wouldn't necessarily need a color screen. And But I would need a touch screen and a keyboard that's QWERTY and usable. Um, and... And of course, the problem with doing a phone like that, if the camera is any good, and really it's a smartphone Redux, it wouldn't be necessarily much cheaper. Um, so I'm not necessarily expecting the price to be lower. I just want something cool and interesting that I can take with me on the weekends and, and not have to worry about um, too much distraction, but still be able to communicate with people. You know what I'm saying? So th that's funny. I've been, I, I have the banana phone as my secondary phone, or my, my third phone, actually, <laughs> right, right now. And... I don't look at it as my weekend phone. I look at it as my night out phone, right? Ah. That, yeah, yeah. So like, like when I go out for a night, I still need maps, right? You're right. I, I miss, I'm missing Uber, right? And that's the one. But like I have maps and actually the Google Assistant on it's super strong. 
right? So like, I don't, yeah. I, I don't need to like press buttons or anything. I just, I just hit Google Assistant and then I talk to it and then it tells me everything that I need to know, right? So I, it's, I, I'm, I'm still getting yeah, the Google information Assistant will be and the totally access. Totally awesome on that. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. I'm, I'm just missing a, a WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger. Um, yeah, like these, like just messaging and, and apps. You're right. Yeah. Weekend phone is not the right. I totally was thinking more night out phone. Yeah, you're totally. Mm-hmm. I get it. Totally, totally agree. So I think for me. I want. I'm kind of like been toying with the idea of creating a startup that makes that phone. It's not a bad <laughs> idea. Because I'm crazy. Because I'm, you know, I'm in my late 40s now. Maybe I should uh, start my own company. I don't know. I, I kind of want somebody to do it right. And the closest best thing would be a small, really high spec Android phone. But nobody's doing that right now. Nobody's making a small, really high spec Android phone that doesn't compromise on imaging. Yeah. Which is the big deal, right? So. I don't know. Pixel 2 is probably the closest thing to that mm-hmm. right now. It's a small, doesn't compromise imaging, and you could potentially restrict it by not installing the apps you don't want. But then it's still Android, and then you're tempted to do it and use it as a smartphone. I want something with e-ink. I want something super good battery life, super slim. You know, that would, and maybe maybe it would be expensive and premium, but it would have a cachet to it. I don't know. This no, is kind of what I, I'm I think I think for. I think it's actually a really good idea. And the fact that, like, maybe not today... But in a few years, uh, when eSIM is like more of a thing in our in, in in our real handsets, that we could have two phones with the same SIM, and then I won't have to like mess around, and then like I just grab this other phone that's like less connected, and then I go All for right, my totally. evening out or I go for my weekend away, but I'm still able to get around and to have basic yeah. communication. I think I, I, th- I think it's a really good thing, like to have like, like once once we're at that level where we're you know, like just seamlessly getting our basic information between like even our car, our Lenovo smart display in our kitchen, right? Like when like that kind of like ubiquitous platform is like a lot more developed and then we have our purpose, purposeful devices that limit our addictions, then <laughs> I you think know, we're there. It's such, it's such a first world problem. I yeah. mean, like it's yeah. like I have multiple cars for the different things I like <laughs> to do and soon I'm going to want multiple phones for the things I want to do. Ah, oh, such decadence, Nicole. Yeah, no, my my biggest first world problem is that I, I have trouble finding my micro USB cable to charge my headphones. <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. Uh. Oh, speaking of which, uh, two devices are landing in my lap today. Uh, one is the uh, Galaxy Watch, finally getting one of those. Oh, cool. And then the other one is the new Sony uh, Mark III noise-canceling headphones that have USB Type-C on them. Finally. And supposedly sound amazing, have great noise reduction, are super comfortable, have great battery life, totally kick Bose's ass, which I think is necessary because I can't, I've never been able to use the Bose's because their sound quality just doesn't live up to my expectations. So I'm really looking forward to putting these Sony headphones through their paces. Um, but yeah, um. Before we close out, I want to kind of give you my thoughts on the iPhone real quick. Mm-hmm. I think the XR is the interesting one to me, not because it's particularly cheap. I mean, it's cheaper, but because I want to see what kind of compromise Apple made to get there from the iPhone SX, XS, or XS, XS. Oh, God, these names. Oh, God, these names. What were they thinking, Nicole? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, the biggest downside to getting the Max is that you'd have to say that entire thing. <laughs> I know the t- the 10R I think is really interesting to me because the colors and because to see what they compromise and also what they're able to achieve with that single camera that just like on the Pixel can do depth sensing through its dual pixel autofocus system. Um, I'm kind of stoked about that. And and then the S the S models and the S Max I think are essentially what you expect from an S model, like just a 
um, improvement in many ways. It sounds like the imaging has really been improved, but at the same time, it hasn't been improved enough to catch up with the um, Pixel 2 yet, according to a lot of the reviewers I've talked to. Agreed. Uh, particularly the folks at The Verge, which I really trust with this stuff. And um, that means that the Pixel 3, which I'll be in New York for launching on October 9th, mm -hmm. might reset the clock again for everyone in terms of imaging. What's your thought on that? Yeah, no, I'm legitimately only excited about the Pixel. This is... This is the one that that that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that I'm like. Cause like, there's there's so many smartphones coming out, like or that have come out over the last few months, and like for me, they're the only ones that are genuinely pushing the benchmark when it comes to um, ubiquitous experience. Uh, because like, yeah, the, the the imaging is amazing, of course, but at the same time, like the average person isn't going to notice as much as we will. This like ten percent increase yeah right like so like because because we're on two-year upgrade cycles in general for phones now um like it's just like well i like as as a reviewer of course i love it you know if you're buying a new phone of course you should get that but the way that the google e ecosystem is developing and the way that the pixel phones are kind of at the center of leading that mobility issue is is why i'm always curious about the pixel launches so for me like samsung was like great we have the note 9 yeah it exists exactly. in this in this ecosystem sort of with decks but like mm, where's it going nah, from there nah, right bixby bixby button bixby button la, 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 right so then you're just like wait but then google actually has an entire platform that goes into yeah. autonomous drive and smart home and like so i'm curious i'm a huge fan yeah i'm a, I'm huge, a huge i'm a huge I mean, fan. even though the one plus six almost dethroned my pixel 2xl out of my pocket this year it's still pixel all the way for me and i can't wait to get my hands on the 3xl i don't want the three just the 3xl even though the notch looks atrocious i understand i agree it's whatever i'll live with it it's fine yeah, I'm 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 rocking the OnePlus Six. That's my that's my go. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great phone. Because <laughs> well, I got it and in I can't red. Wait for the sixty. Yeah, I got the red, the white, and the black. I got all three. Oh, you got all three. Uh, <laughs> I'm white is my favorite. I think red is pretty pretty awesome. Oh, though, it's beautiful. It's, it's, um, it's, I'm looking forward to the six T, but the lack of headphone jack is just pissing me off i know it's not necessary for a lot of people but i'm really hoping is, that we yeah. that, that everyone misread that photo and they're putting it in not taking it out. no i think i uh, <laughs> will see what happens anyway um do you want to tell people where they can find you online yeah absolutely you can follow me on twitter nicole underscore scooter and uh, i'm writing on mobilegeeks.com and mobilegeeks.de yeah german if you want to you know get better at german go read nicole's stories on mobilegeeks.de uh do you want to <laughs> plug maybe your instagram youtube channel facebook anything like that yeah you can still you know, on, on youtube it's mobilegeeks.de and then instagram is nicole's cooter because there's no uh hyphen in there or underscore <laughs> And you're a world traveler. I believe right now you're uh, kind of roaming free in the universe. Yeah, I'm hobo chic uh, going at the moment. From yeah, I'm to place totally to place. homeless. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> I hope it's awesome for you. It sounds awesome. It is, it is. It? I'm spending yeah, okay, two, 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 two weeks here in uh, San Francisco. I'll do Dreamforce next week. Then I go down to LA to work from there for a little bit. Um, nice. Yeah, and, and, then I, and then I head back to uh, Germany for um, hydrogen fuel cell drive. 
because Ooh, I just drove the Toyota Mirai. Yeah, Mirai, I was super bummed that I couldn't join you guys on that drive. I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching your video with the yeah, with Mr. I need Mobile. to edit that still. Yeah, yeah, and Mr. Mobile has something as well, so you guys should keep an eye out for that, Michael Fisher. Yeah, uh, you folks know where to find me. I'm at Tank Girl on Twitter. That's T N K G R. I like the comic book character Tank Girl without the vowels. That's also my Instagram handle. You also can find me on Facebook under that handle. And uh, the only place I couldn't get the handle was YouTube. So it's YouTube.com/slash Miriam Joar. My full name spelled out, Miriam with a Y. That's where you'll find some complimentary videos to this podcast unboxings hands-on some reviews every now and then they're very kind of low budget but i like to keep it simple and most of them are live which is fun uh watch that subscribe to the channel like the videos and don't forget if this is your first time on the podcast mobiletechpodcast.com tell your friends subscribe we're on apple podcast google podcast pocket cast overcast stitcher slacker um tune in radio everywhere um so look for mobile tech podcast if you can't find it because it pings a lot of search uh terms add tanker tnkgrl to that and you'll be there i also want to take a second to thank our sponsor audible.com audible is the place to go for audiobooks this is where you want to get all your audiobook needs so you know join if you haven't already there is a link in the show notes below uh it's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech that's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech you'll uh, find some uh, some ways to support the podcast if you haven't subscribed to audible yet and uh, i want to thank audible for being a sponsor and i want to thank you nicole for being on the show thank you so much yeah absolutely it was a lot of fun <laughs> yeah it was great as i need to have you come back more and we can duke it out about evs and smartphones any day of the week it's great. so great yeah absolutely <laughs> sweet well stay tuned folks we'll have another show next week and thanks again for tuning in cheers everybody bye this has been the mobile tech podcast with tank girl proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com you can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com